Hi everyone and welcome back to another season of Coffee with Your Counselors. We're just two counselors chatting it up every week at Uni High. We want to travel with you on a week-to-week basis talking about all the things that might be helpful for you as high schoolers to navigate life. Our passion is helping people and our hope is that you know that you're not alone through it all. So grab your biscotti and get comfy in your chair and be with us for this next half hour of coffee with your counselors. This is my fight song. Take back my life song. Prove I'm all right song. Welcome back, everyone. Um, today we have this very special guest with us. We have not only me and Miss Amy, but we also have Lisa Maselli with us, which we're really excited. Hello, hello. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, Miss Amy and Lisa recently went to a documentary called Try Harder. And so today we're going to try to talk about that a little bit um, because it sounds really interesting. I couldn't go to it whenever you guys went, Um, but the gist of it, if I can recall correctly, um, is it's a competitive high school similar to ours, correct? Mm-hmm. It's a selective admissions public school in San Francisco with a predominantly Asian American community. Mm-hmm. Um, is there any other kind of defining characteristics, Amy, that you'd add about the school that it's based in? Mm, it's called Lowell High School, and mm-hmm. it's also been around for over 100 years. And uh, as I was watching it, I had a lot of connections with, you know, with our school here at uni. So... The documentary followed six different students, I believe. That's six, four. And kind of, um, it was, they're all seniors and follow them throughout their senior year as they were applying for colleges and kind of just documented the stressors and the ups and downs that they went through um, navigating what college they should go to and their expectations with college admissions and all the different nuances of of the dynamic of senior year. So that's a little- So is there a character that stood out to each of you? Gosh, several. I would say there was, so Ian, it was in the very beginning introducing us to the high school and walking us around um, and sharing again how the expectation of attending a big name brand school was important. And then ironically ended up Um, applying to the Oxford College program to Emory, which is a way of starting at a community college kind of environment and then going directly into Emory later. Um, But again, I think that fulfilled both needs. It was like, it wouldn't be necessarily an Uber reach way of applying, but you end up in the end getting the pedigree of Emory. So I thought that was kind of an interesting way of showing how when you're building your list and you're thinking about how do I still kind of keep those bragging rights and name and rank up there. Um, It also showed that for some students, there are other doors to actually get that outcome that you want. So I thought his journey was interesting. Um, Elvin. Also, I also thought Ian's journey was less stressful than the others. Oh, his mother was amazing. His mother was interviewed a lot in that video. Mm -hmm. And Amy, didn't she, wasn't she, she was the one who actually even said, maybe I've done it wrong and maybe we should feel bad 
that we've cut closed doors for colleges now, but at the time we wanted Ian to pursue any fun, funky, you know, thing that made him smile for an extracurricular. Like that was our goal. It wasn't to produce some strategic high school kid that looked like everyone else, but to let him be himself. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the mom's intention. Yeah. And another factoid about their parents where they both went to Lowell High School. So Ian's parents were alumni from Lowell. So they went through the whole process of, you know, going through a very rigorous and academically motivating high school experience. And that was kind of the, you know, they took those experiences and then parented Ian with more liberties of, you know, choosing different colleges and kind of finding his own path, which I think was really healthy and helpful for Ian, even just watching his own admissions process. And there was a time where someone asked him, Amy, you may have to help me fill in here, but there was a a comment he made where, and it was sad. It was like, I'm not going to have any fond memories of my time at this high school, except for like all the stressors and all of the feelings of maybe feeling less than or realizing that this process is so incredibly overwhelming. Like basically like, why am I here? What joy am I getting? Like, it just was sad. Mm-hmm. I went up to him afterwards and I was talking to him about that. Um, and then I also liked Elvin. Elvin. I mean, I liked all the characters, but Elvin stood out to me because Elvin was just this bundle of joy and a dancer and <laughs> trying to just like make everything fun. And you could tell he was just that kid who basically just wanted to laugh and go through school, but be serious. I thought his personality was quite interesting. Mm-hmm. So I found some questions that seem interesting. So as somebody who didn't see it, um, and you both did, I would um, be interested in your reaction. So they said that Shay struggled often without having family support system. Alvin and his mother sometimes had differing viewpoints on the college application process. Sophia balanced school, extracurriculars, and a job. So try harder shows us that often that invisible or shows us often invisible lives of students outside of the classroom because we don't always know what's going on with our students outside of the classroom. So how can we acknowledge and support all aspects of our students' lives? That's a good question. Because I feel like we talk about that sometime with sometimes with younger students, how, you know, Lisa talks about like the iceberg and how, you, you know, you can only see what they're willing to show you. Um, there's so mm-hmm. much lying underneath. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever well, you do have other things happening underneath, then, you know, obviously your struggles and stressors are a lot different and you might need extra supports. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Shay was interesting because again, he talked about his home, his father being absent in his life. It shows him literally coming home after a long day at school and basically choosing to live with his father, which was not healthy, nor was his father engaged in his life because he needed the address to actually stay enrolled at Lowell. Mm-hmm. And that scene, Amy, where he's frying his steak and making mm-hmm. green beans and sitting there by himself, getting ready to do homework. And he's completely alone. I mean, mm-hmm. I hate made a comment. I don't think he's had seen his dad in four days or something. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then you think, right, he's getting up. He was in classes that were actually more advanced than his grade level. So he was friends with seniors. Those seniors graduate in this documentary and Shay still has another year to go through. So he was a really strong kid academically and the layers of what he was facing, Christy, and what was going on at home. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was like, holy cow, this kid is completely independent, is mm-hmm. managing things that shows him cleaning. I mean, he's doing everything and he's alone in this apartment because that's how bad he wants to stay at Lowell High, Lowell High School. So is he getting support from like teachers or other like counselors or other people in the school, coaches or extracurricular people. Yeah. I mean, they didn't show a lot of those type of interactions with adults, Mm -hmm. Um, but you could obviously, well, and in the end, well, I don't, I don't, I guess there is no spoiler alert here. It's a document, (laughs) but in the end, when he gets his college outcome, you could even see him like, who do I call? Like Mm -hmm. he was alone. Right. And I think Mm -hmm. that's even such a different dynamic where you realize, even if there's news to share after this entire journey, like the camera is on him showing that he doesn't even know what to do. He's mm-hmm. got no one to call. Mm-hmm. It was just an emotional, very powerful ending. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I know that you both had talked kind of about um, the racial component whenever you came back from seeing the film. So another one of these questions is, Rachel felt that other students saw her admission to an Ivy League school as being largely due to her racial identity. What can we do to cultivate a community in which every student feels valued, supported, and welcomed? So do you want to talk about what Rachel's story was? Rachel was a mixed race student. Um, Her mom was African-American and I think her dad was white or Caucasian, but he's not highlighted in the documentary because I think mom, she stays and lives with mom and she's, her mom is raising her as a single mom. I don't know if she goes into what her dad is doing, but, um, and yeah, I, I always am interested in terms of just the dynamic of race, especially when it comes, well, to everything. It just reminded me how complicated things are and how different ethnic groups face these barriers that other groups just don't understand. And we can't all look at each other with the same lens um, or make these assumptions and interpretations of what we feel like, why things are happening, you know? And I feel like there was just, she was constantly needing to prove herself Um, And I don't know, maybe you have different thoughts about that too, Lisa, but I just felt like it was always like an uphill battle of even, you know, her feeling like she needs to prove herself to her peers or that she's worthy to be there or when she gets into colleges that, you know, that like that she deserves to go and not just because of her race. But then the the dynamic also was that her mom was very, uh, like, pushed her hard and was, I don't know if they said this in the documentary or if it was in the discussion, but, like, she was kind of like a tiger mom. Like, she really wanted her to go to specific colleges and apply to different um, schools, and she really did push her hard, 
have high expectations for her. And do you remember that Rachel even shared that she was telling a friend at Lowell how her mom and her have these conversations and these are the type of schools that she's looking at and this is her goal for her grades for that semester and how her mom has high expectations of her and they've got this rigorous schedule, right? And one of her peers at Lowell said, really? I'm surprised your mom feels that way. And Rachel said, why? And she said, I didn't think black parents cared about grades. Do you remember that Mm -hmm, part? mm -hmm. And Rachel's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then the interesting part, Christy, after the movie was the conversation that went on for an hour, because in the audience, when race got brought up and that that question was posed to the audience, a student in the room raised her hand and said, well, I am Latina and I graduated from IMSA mm-hmm. and I felt like I was questioned all the time how I even got into IMSA. It was because of my race. I felt the same way when I would apply to colleges. People would say, what are you worried about? Of course, you're going to get in. It's a very complicated thing. And the students then feel like they have imposter syndrome. hmm I know that I've had some conversations with students at uni that um, go kind of along these same lines too. So while I think it's just a good place to kind of have a starting conversation um, when they're more difficult, like topics like this, right? Um, And how it relates to even students that we interact with all the time. Mm -hmm. And I think part of it, I mean, obviously it's very complex, right? There's just so many things that systemically and societally, like, I don't really understand and students probably don't understand either. But I think just acknowledging that there's more nuance than what we assume, I think is important, you know, for people who work in schools as well as students. And I think students can definitely be introspective to think about their own implicit biases of why or their thoughts about different people, you know, and to check even from a young age, like, what is my bias? What is my experience? Why do I think this way? You know, I feel like those are really important things to start having conversations about, especially people who are, you know, at a very highly academic, rigorous school can have those kind of introspections that I think it's important to have. Yeah, and um, since the video focused, um, or wasn't necessarily focused, but most the majority of the school was Asian American, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, uni is probably like 50% or so Asian. Yeah, I think yeah. it's like 40 something, but it is the majority student body is Asian. So did they say anything specifically about, I mean, obviously they're different locations and different people, but like, were there specific themes that came up in the, in the documentary that you also see at uni? What I thought was interesting is that they had a conversation about what is the assumption made by college admissions officers. Mm -hmm. So for instance, they were talking about at Lowell, right? They don't think Stanford likes us. Stanford has come over and said, you guys are all just consumers of information who regurgitate things out to get grades. And you're like robots. 
and that was repeated by several. There's a physics teacher that is very popular in the documentary and the kids love him. And even he says, right, we don't have a good outcome at Stanford or some highly selective schools because they think our kids have basically no soul. <laughs> like they think they're just producing and performing to get an outcome. Um, and I thought that was interesting. And then there was even an admissions meeting that they were kind of showing that someone came to talk to the school. And again, students were kind of going, well, we all know that the odds are against us because they don't like us. Even though they're all working so hard, they're all involved in so many things, like you said, below the waterline, they're doing all this stuff outside, but they all were kind of just already feeling like it's hard to be a high achieving Asian kid defined this way for colleges to see us as different and unique and as human beings. So Elvin made a comment, Christy, about how he wanted to show that he's not your traditional Asian student. I can be goofy and do cartwheels. Even when they show him graduating, he does a cartwheel across the stage to get his diploma. Like he was intentionally trying to be different. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. One of the reflection questions of these ones that I found um, talks about um, like what factors are important to your family identity, like they were having these conversations with students or something. But um, it's interesting because a lot of times, you know, the values are within the family and those are things that even if they are pushing, 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 that's like a family value that you can't change you know, um, and while you or I or other people might have a different perspective on like what would be the ideal way to go about things or whatever, like you're still going to have those family values and um, wanting to live up to certain expectations or continuing certain traditions or things like that. And so I think it's interesting that that, that would be a question for students to answer because it says, how does education influence your family identity? And a lot of things that I thought were very reminiscent, like were in parallel with what I see at uni is all of these kids just wanted their parents to be proud of them, right? Rachel was so much like, I just want my mom to be proud of me, right? I want to do this for her. I mean, I do think there was that sense of like, that term, like we're applying to schools was used a lot by families. We're doing this together. And um, the students would go back. Oh, and, and they did a lot of, I mean, it was like the intensity of them, like doing things in the building, right? You would see them submit an application in the high school while they're talking to their family. It didn't show anything regarding them doing things at home. Like, did you notice that, Amy? Like everything was like frantically doing this and hitting submit while they're in the computer lab. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then I was thinking to myself, even though they didn't show it, I'm like, are they just living at the school 24 seven? Like, why aren't they at home? <laughs> <laughs> but that the school might be just a hub of, you know, where they do a lot of those things. So yeah, well, maybe he yeah. you said the library, you can't even get a seat. Oh, yeah. I yeah. guess the library is open after school for a long time. And he said, you can't even get a seat in there. It's so it's so packed. Yeah. Well, we wanted to give everyone just a short snippet. I know that this conversation could be much, much longer, um, but for our time together, we just wanted to give you a little snippet of our experience watching the documentary. And we encourage, Lisa, do you know if it's viewable anywhere else? 
Yeah, because I watched it in the summertime. So it's on like a Netflix or something. It is viewable. It could be Hulu. But if you Google it, it is it is free. Or you could just sign up for that one month free trial and watch it and then cancel it. Yeah, for sure. So um, go ahead and watch it. And if you do watch it as a student and you want to have conversations about it, then uh, please uh, let us know. And maybe you can be on our next episode so we can do a follow-up continuation with students' perspective because I'd like to I'd like to know what students think about this documentary as well. Absolutely. That would be fun. Yeah. Well, thanks, everyone. See you next time. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye.